1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Resolute Forest Products fourth quarter results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, Please press star, zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to Marianne Limoges. Thank you. Please go ahead, Madam.
2: Good morning. Welcome to Result's four-quarter earnings call. Today, we'll hear from Yves Laflamme, President, Chief Executive Officer, and Remy Laron, Senior Vice President, Chief Financial Officer. You can follow along with the slides for today's presentation by logging on to the, web ca- the webcast using the link in the Presentations and Webcast page under the Investor Relations section of our website, and you can download the slides. Today's presentation will include non-US GAAP financial information. Our press release and the appendix to the slides includes a reconciliation of non-GAAP information to US GAAP financial measures. We will also make forward-looking statements. Forward-looking information is based on our current assumptions, beliefs, and expectations, all of which involve a number of business risks and uncertainties and can change as conditions do. Please review the cautionary statements in our press release and on slide 2 of today's presentation. I will turn the call over to Eve.
3: Yes, sir. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Today, we reported $129 million on registered EBITDA in the fourth quarter, compared to $140 million in the third quarter. Our results reflect strong pricing for lumber and our wood product segment's ability to drive bottom line impact with strong end markets, like those we've seen in the second half of 2020 with the rebound in U.S. housing stock and robust demand for repair and modeling. We also noted an increase in paper shipments in the fourth quarter, signaling the gradual recovery for those markets is underway. But it remains unclear whether they will recover enough to justify restarting the capacity, we temporarily idled due, due to the rapid drop in demand during the onset of the pandemic, specifically the AMOS and bacon youshmin mills for which we recorded non-cash charges of $80 million in the fourth quarter. By segment, we reported quarterly adjusted EBITDA of $2 million in market ball the same as the third quarter, $2 million for tissue down by $4 million, Wood product was unchanged at $139 million, and negative $1 million dollars for paper, down by $7 million. For the whole year, adjusted EBITDA was $338 million, compared to $213 million in 2019. The better performance reflects a significant increase in lumber pricing, the added contribution of the U.S. sawmills we acquired early in 2020, lower overall manufacturing costs, and better performance from the tissue segment. But it also reflects an unfavorable effect of global pulp and paper pricing and lower paper shipments, largely due to the economic impacts of the pandemic. Let's review our individual segments, beginning with market pulp.
1: Global demand
3: for chemical market pulp in 2020 rose by 4% through November compared to 2019, with demand for hardwood increasing by 8% and softwood decreasing by 2%. Demand in China rose by 9% and 6% in North America, as at-home tissue consumption during the pandemic outpaced lower no printing and writing demand. The higher demand pushed producer and well within the normal range, 37 days for hardwood and 33, 33 days for softwood by end of, of November.
4: In the quarter, our average transaction price improved by only three dollars per metric ton, due to softer pricing for fluff pulp and recycled bleach craft pulp, which offset incremental
3: gains in hardware. Our shipment increased by eleven thousand metric tons, and finished goods inventory fell to fifty-three thousand metric tons at year-end, a historical low. Through December. U.S. at-home tissue demand grew by 16% compared to 2019 due to the structural shift in consumption patterns caused by the pandemic. But by the same token, the away-from-home market has been far more challenging as demand dropped by 9%. Our realized price, pricing for parent rows and convert products continues to improve quarter over quarter with our efforts around customer portfolio and mix optimization. But our reported at adverse transaction price slipped by $77 per short term, or 4% this quarter, because of apparent parent-wrote stocking initiative and productivity gains on the carbon tissue machine. In December, we completed the acquisition of a converting facility located in Hagerstone, Maryland, with three that tissue and power converting lines. The Hagerstone asset will improve our co capacity, extend our product offering, and expand our territory to the attractive Northeast market. Despite the sluggish EBITDA quarter in duck water and tissue, the segment did make $17 million of EBITDA in 2020, and we expect it will continue to improve. Fourth quarter, using housing starts, has raised $1.6 million on a seasonally adjusted annual basis, up by 11% compared to the previous quarter with single-family homes which consume more lumber, up by 12% and multifamily family starts down by 2 percent. Lumber prices have come off their recent highs about midway through the quarter, down by as much as $450 per thousand board-feet from peak in some grades, but despite the expected seasonal slowdown, they snap back later in the quarter on strong demand. As a result, we closed the fourth quarter with an average transaction price relatively unchanged compared to the third quarter, up slightly by $8 per thousand board feet to $608. Our shipments also rose by 5 million board feet compared to the previous quarter, reducing our inventory to 97 million board feet, which is a historical low. Following our planned capital investment over the last few months, We started bringing the Eldorado Sawmill online in December. We expect to start setting its output mid-quarter in line with previous expectations. We are also making plans to bring our English facility in Northwestern Ontario back to one-shift operation in the coming weeks in line of market conditions. As we've said many times before, the pandemic has been particularly hard for marketing dependent paper products. In 2020, North American demand for uncoated mechanical papers and newsprint fell by 23% and 29% respectively compared to 2019. Super calendar grades dropped by 29% and standard white grades fell by
1: 17%. Global
3: newsprint was down by 23% in the year. All this push operating rate consistently low in 2020 forcing capacity reductions. We reduced our own operational footprint to adjust to the pandemic, to the dramatic reduction in economic activity by temporary idling capacity, including two new spring mills since the spring, representing in aggregate 28% of run-rate paper capacity. Accordingly, we recorded 143,000 metric tons of downtime in the quarter and over 500,000 metric tons in the year. But this measure allowed us to run our remaining assets to capacity and therefore maximize the operating efficiency of our very competitive asset base and to control our inventory, all of which together allowed us to withstand the profound shock of the pandemic operating at about the break-even level. We expect that overall paper pricing touched the bottom early in the quarter leading to a reduction in our average transaction price by $11 per metric tons, or 2% compared to the third quarter. But shipments improved by 43,000 metric tons, and inventory fell to 96,000 metric tons. A bit down in the quarter segment was negative by a million dollars for the quarter. I will now have Remy discuss our financial performance. Thank you, Eve. We reported net income
5: of $45 million in the fourth quarter, or $0.55 per diluted share, (coughs) excluding special items. This compares to net income, excluding special items of $62 million, or $0.72 per diluted share in the previous quarter, and a net loss excluding special items of $53 million, or $0.59 per share in the same period last year. Special items in the fourth quarter include an $80 million of charges related to the temporary idling of the Baycomo and Amos newsprint mills, non-operating pension and other post-retirement benefit or OPEB costs of $24 million, foreign currency translation loss of $13 million for net monetary liabilities, and other expenses of $15 million. <clears throat> Total sales in the fourth quarter were $769 million, up by $39 million compared to the third quarter, on higher shipments for all business segments, but mostly paper. Manufacturing costs rose by $23 million in the quarter after removing the impact of volume and foreign exchange. Compared to the third quarter, the all-in delivered cost for market pulp was essentially unchanged, up by $2 per metric tonne. EBITDA in this segment was also unchanged at $2 million. The delivered cost in tissue increased by $112 per short ton, or 6%, and the average transaction price declined by 4% due to the higher percentage of parent roll sales with a destocking effort at Calhoun. EBITDA for this segment decreased by $4 million to $2 million. In the wood products segment, the delivered cost rose by $12 per thousand board feet, or 3%, mostly due to higher stumpage fees for Canadian operations, which track lumber prices, as well as higher maintenance costs. EBITDA was unchanged at $139 million. Papers delivered costs remained relatively unchanged, despite higher maintenance costs and lower internal power generation, as shipments increased by 12% but the average transaction price for the quarter slipped by 2%. EBITDA for this segment came in at negative 1 million. We recorded a credit under the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy program in the quarter based on the drop in revenues in our pulp and paper segments through the end of October due to the pandemic. We're using this credit to partially offset the additional costs associated with keeping our Amos and Bacomo mills in hot title mode. On Tuesday, we closed a private offering of $300 million of unsecured senior notes due 2026 with a 4 and 7 8% coupon issued at 100% of par value use the proceeds from the offering together with cash on hand to redeem all of the $375 million aggregate principal amount currently outstanding of our five and 7 percent senior notes due 2023 at par. This refinancing allows us to deleverage the business, reduce our interest burden, gain more flexible terms and covenants, and add three years of maturity runway in our capital structure. Current with the refinancing activities, both Moody's and S&P revised the credit rating outlook from negative to stable. With a strong EBITDA from lumber and a $122 million working capital release in the quarter, we generated $158 million of cash from operating activities in the quarter. Accordingly, our cash position closed at $113 million at year end. We also used our strong financial position to repurchase an additional 2.1 million shares of our common stock in the quarter for a total spend of 10.5 million. For the year, we spent 30 million dollars to repurchase 6.9 million shares over 8% of the total outstanding. Net debt fell by 93 million dollars to 448 million by year end bringing our net debt to last 12 months adjusted EBITDA down to 1.3 times. Our liquidity also improved by $216 million to $693 million, in part due to a new 10-year secured delayed term loan facility for up to $220 million Canadian dollars, which is undrawn. We made $78 million in capital expenditures for the year. For 2021, we expect to spend approximately $90 to $100 million in net capex. We made $29 million in softwood lumber duty deposits in the quarter, bringing our total deposits to $243 million, which is recorded in other assets on the balance sheet. During the fourth quarter, we contributed $51 million to pension plans, which, as previously disclosed, included a $34 million catch-up contribution to U.S. plans deferred from previous quarters under the stimulus bill. We also made OPEB payments of $3 million with a combined expense of $9 million included in adjusted EBITDA. We made $108 million of pension contributions in all of 2020 and $11 million of OPEP payments. Our balance sheet net pension and OPEP liability increased by $102 million from year-end 2019 to $1.6 billion. The increase is due to the unfavorable impact of the 50 basis point drop in the applicable U.S. GAAP discount rate over the course of the year. As most of you know, We think about our net pension liabilities in terms of the funding deficit calculated in accordance with applicable pension legislation because this is what determines our annual contributions. Using discount rates that more closely resemble our return on assets, the funding deficit stood at $629 million a year end, slipping by $132 million in the year due to the 50 basis point reduction in applicable discount rates. Accordingly, we expect that for 2021, our annual contributions to pension plans will increase by roughly $15 million to $120 million, plus $12 million of OPEP. After the well-documented pandemic-induced challenges of 2020, there are a number of encouraging signs to carry our recent momentum into 2021 across all four of our businesses. We expect that the strong level of U.S. housing starts and healthy repair and remodeling activity will provide a tailwind for lumber markets for at least some time to come, even if prices come off their recent highs. We're also encouraged with the recent marked pickup in pulp demand against lower industry inventories after the prolonged lag that followed the significant overbuilding of producer inventories in late 2018, especially hardwood in Latin America. With the quality and competitiveness of our remaining paper assets, there is room to build with pricing on the fourth quarter volume gains, as publicly reported, as end markets gradually rebalance after the steep pandemic-induced demand drop of 2020. For tissue, we will continue to drive performance improvements in the business with better portfolio mix and operating efficiency. I'm excited to assume the leadership of this company in just a few weeks. I've spoken with many stakeholders since my nomination, and I'm encouraged by their response, the energy around the Resolute story, and the talented team that will move this business forward. Our job now is to accelerate our evolution to to generate long-term value for shareholders and to drive sustainable economic activity in the communities where we operate. Let me take a minute as we close to wish Eve a happy and healthy retirement after almost 40 years with Resolute and its predecessor companies. After helping to build the lumber business to where it is today, he's closing his career after a very eventful three years as CEO. From the highs of 2018 to the very choppy waters and the existential scare of the pandemic, he has been a steady hand at the tiller. He set a course to make us a better company, and he held to it, leading by example every step of the way with a tireless and selfless work ethic. He focused on cost reductions in difficult times and on long-term efficiency enhancements in better ones. He made Resolute a stronger, more competitive organization. He's a Man of his word and Resolute interns reflects this transparency and integrity. On behalf of everyone at Resolute Eve, thank you.
3: Thank you, Remy. We are with the The COVID-19 storm with remarkable strength and I'm I'm proud of our commitment to health and safety as well as support for the communities in which we work and live. We continue to enhance the already meaningful relationships across our operating communities. Over the years, together we have taken important steps in our transformation and built a more sustainable and competitive organization. I want to thank the so many people in the forest product industry who have supported me during the almost 40 last years. I know that Resolute is going to be in good hands with Remy as CEO and supported by a strong team at all levels of the organization that will lead it forward. Thank you. This
2: concludes our formal presentation. Operator, we will now be open for questions.
1: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To so withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q and A roster. Your first question comes from Hamil Patel of CIBC Capital. Your line is open.
6: Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Mayor. Give us a sense as to how much uh, COVID uh, has uh, affected your ability to increase uh, lumber production, and, and has that varied between Canada and uh, the U.S. South? Uh, you
3: mean you, you
6: mean increasing the capacity? Yeah, I'm just curious how much of a constraint uh, maybe COVID, yeah. from a labor disruption yeah. standpoint, has been. Yeah, of course
3: you know we had uh, we have had you know range with. Uh, you know, cases, COVID cases, you know, pretty much all facilities, pop and paper and lumber as well. So, uh, it, it slowed down a little, the uh, operation that, uh, you know, we had in the U.S. Uh, not necessarily cutting shifts, but uh, an impact on productivity for sure in, in Arkansas. Uh, didn't have any impact, as we said earlier, on the restart of, the, of, of El Dorado. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, sometimes we had to slow down a shift or two, but as far as capacity, uh, We're catching up pretty good uh, by, uh, you know, adding shifts going forward that we can do, you know, when the people are back. So uh, I wouldn't say on the on the pure volume, uh, I, we don't see an impact, uh, you know, midterm. So.
6: Okay, thanks. Uh, that's helpful. And Eve, and uh, do, do you see potential for a uh, North American t- tissue price hike? Um? Coming, I, I mean, I'm just thinking of given the significant move in in uh, in pulp prices and the fact that most of the industry is uh, non-integrated.
3: Um, it's hard to say, you know. It's just, it's kind of an unbalanced demand right now between uh, at home and away from home. So and uh, you know we're trying to manage uh, both right now. And uh, you know, of course, the pulp uh, is going to have an impact on the cost of the uh, of the tissue uh, operation. Uh,
6: for, just for us, for the whole industry, but fortunately we're, we're integrated, so. Okay, thanks, uh, that's helpful. And uh, Remy, uh, just a question for you. I'm just curious, you know, as you look to some of the changes that uh, you might look to make in the in the first year as, as CEO, you know, where do you see, when you think of the portfolio, are there additional, um, you know, assets that you, you, know, you, you, you think you could look to monetize this year?
5: Uh, we always keep an eye on that, Samir. I would tell you that uh, you know, we've done some moves in the past to try to optimize and balance our portfolio. Uh, we might look to it. I, I think what I would say, though, to your larger question, you know, my priorities essentially moving forward uh, are to keep uh, the focus and discipline around capital allocation. I think that's going to be very important as we move forward, and if we do uh, decide to monetize some assets. Uh, than focus on uh, taking a little bit more leverage out of the business. Uh, I do want to focus on encouraging growth, especially as we look to uh, replace the diminishing uh, EBITDA coming from paper. I think there's potentially a couple things we might look at, either bolt-ons or extensions in the lumber segment. Uh, Eve talked about the importance of continuing to integrate and grow our U.S. assets in the U.S. The Eldorado sawmills coming online, so that's going to be able to, uh, important to push that forward. Uh, and also the restart of Ignace, so we can get some, uh, a bit of capacity growth there. And I do want to focus on uh, maintaining a fanatical focus on asset performance across the whole portfolio consistent with uh, Resolute's history and
6: reputation as being excellent operators. Great. Uh thanks. Uh thanks Remy. That's uh, that's all I had and uh you uh all the best in uh, retirement. Thank you, Amir.
1: Your next question comes from Paul Quinn of RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open.
4: Yeah, thanks very much. Good morning. Uh, congratulations Steve. forty years, uh almost forty years there. Wow, the changes you must have seen through that company. It's uh <laughs> a little bit yeah. mind blowing. Um Maybe uh start on the wood product side, just uh, the additional volume you expect to get in, in 2021 through the restart of Ignace and, and start up Dorado, What is that approximately?
3: I mean, on the yearly run rate, I would say probably about 200, uh, 200 million more feet. So uh, if I think, you know, we're, we're going to restart on the one shift at the beginning with Ignace and the capacity of Dorado is about 180, 185. So of course different mix, but full capacity about that, yeah.
4: Dan, um, you know, we've seen this big uh, run up in, in, in pulp prices, you know, the way I look at it, global inventories are still pretty high. Just wondering what you expect in, in, uh, in the coming quarters in terms of your realized prices to come up and how sustainable is, is the current market?
5: Uh, Paul, I'll take that one. So, uh, I mean, we looked at the PPPC stats, and certainly there's a lot of uh, of room in the corridor of what is normal. But when you look back over the build that occurred late in 2018, uh, I think at one point we had 1.5 million extra tons of capacity sitting on the market, and that's largely worked its way through. So we're seeing a pretty strong pickup in demand. Our own inventory is also uh, very, very low. Uh, So in the business that we're doing now, uh, we are seeing a, a pickup in activity and pricing in the false segment, and we should start to realize that uh, in the first quarter. So we, we see conditions as pretty encouraging now.
4: Okay, and then just lastly on the on the paper side, you guys have taken you know quite a bit of you know uh, downtime in, in the sector. I guess you you've got uh, Amos and, and Bakom on hot idols. What's, what's the plan going forward? Is, is there plan on, on permanent shots or restarts of these facilities? What, what is what is their plan here?
3: We well, we'll see, you know, where, as we we said, we we're, we're hitting the mills, you know, and uh, we have two machines and on New Sprint and Becomo and one in uh, one in Amos. So uh, we we'll see what's going to happen about uh, on the market. Of course, it's a lot of tonnage to say that we're going to restart all that tonnage in New Sprint might be uh, difficult, but uh, we also have you know, people in communities looking for diversification. So uh, we don't have the answer yet, but uh, of course, you know, it's a lot of tonnage that is down right now. So that's about New Sprint. Uh, so we also have, a, you know, white paper machines that are smaller that we, we're using right now that we took down and they're back. So uh, we're playing with the uh, assets we have and uh, do the best we can. But uh, to answer your question, that's, uh, we don't really know what the market is going to do going forward. So...
4: All
3: right, that's all I have. Thanks,
1: Paul. Thank you. Your next question comes from Kasia Kopitia of TD Securities. Your line is open.
0: Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Kasia at TD, filling in for Sean. Uh, Hi, good morning. Um, Remy, you already provided some good context on capital allocation, just wanted to circle back quickly. so far as strategic initiatives are concerned, you talked about lumber. Anything on the pulp side that you're looking at?
5: Well, what we've focused our efforts on in the last couple of years, Kasia, is really improving the operations that we have. As you know, we've got two uh, fantastic pulp mills in uh, in Canada, in Saint-Pétisien and Thunder Bay, uh, and we've invested to uh, to provide for incremental capacity growth, specifically in uh, in Saint-Pétisien. And that's been very uh, very good for us, so we'll continue to focus on our pulp mills for incremental uh, incremental capacity growth uh, and generating more value from the assets we have with with cost reductions. That's what I'd see on the immediate term for pulp
0: okay, and any uh, number that you can quantify in terms of that incremental capacity growth that you expect?
5: Uh, no, not necessarily. It's always, you know, like the investment that we made in St. Felicia was about 40,000 tons over the last couple of years of improvements, and we're seeing that in the throughput today, and it's encouraging. So we continue to chip away at it and improve wherever we, uh, wherever we can.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And just going back to Paul's question around the El Dorado and Ignace restarts, when do you expect those uh, SOMOs to be running at the full run rate that you mentioned? Uh, as far as the Dorado, as I mentioned, we, uh, we started in December, so
3: we're, we're ramping up to the uh, second, shift, uh, uh, second shift as we go. Uh, we're training the employees right now, so uh, we expect by the end of the second quarter to be pretty much running on two shifts. So, of course, a few bugs and ramping up, but uh, you know, between the, the second and the third quarter, we should be full production. As far as the news, it could be, uh, should be pretty fast. As soon as we restart, we're talking about a, a pretty small uh, one-line stud mill, so uh, one shift. So I believe that about a month, and uh, we'll be we be back at uh, where we should be.
0: And but you guys plan to restart increases at more than one shift eventually down the line, right? Later this year, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. And Eve, uh, I think you mentioned 86 uh, some paper downtown this quarter. I didn't quite catch the number. Would you be able just to repeat it? We uh, It's
5: 143000 that we put in the market downtown, Kasha, and that represents the two mills in Amos and Bay Como uh, and uh, machine and Alma as well.
0: Got it. Okay. And uh, just the last question on markets maybe. I mean, we've seen prices move, you uh, sprint higher in North America, and there's some... Uh, higher prices going on and then some key markets offshore as well, any context you can provide just around those markets and where you see things trending over the next little while.
5: Well, you know, from our perspective, we certainly saw in the fourth quarter an increase in shipments of 43,000 tons, which was a welcome change from the 30% drop in demand that we've been uh, we've been living through. So, I think that's working its way through. Demand is starting to come back, and it's getting reflected, uh, as I said, with uh, with shipments, and we see it uh, in pricing as well. So, I mean, the, the task for us is just to make sure that we're optimizing the network, we're keeping our inventory low uh and try to satisfy customer demand wherever we can uh and uh, and be a good supplier
0: okay great those are all the questions i had. thanks very much thank
2: you
1: thanks kasha your next question comes from benoit laprat of scotia bank your line is open
7: great thank you Uh, first of all eve i want to add my voice to uh, congratulating you on retirement and obviously congratulations uh, on your nomination as well so i wish uh, both of you wishing both of you uh, all the best in this new chapter of your lives um quick one for me on the tissue side just wanted to understand how we can reconcile the fact that the average transaction price actually decreased due to a higher percentage of parent roles but at the same time we had actually six percent higher uh, average delivered cost. So I thought that you know producing more rolls would have also triggered a reduction in in average costs.
5: Well, the the transaction price for roll is obviously significantly lower than uh, converted goods. What happened, Benoit, over the course of the last couple quarters is that productivity for the tissue machine in Calhoun has increased, and so we were building up uh, inventory, uh, and we decided in the fourth quarter to reduce that uh to uh to just be more efficient so by doing that it reduces the average transaction cost Uh, i would tell you that uh you know there are uh, there are costs that we also picked up in the fourth quarter one-time costs uh that played into the uh average delivered cost as well so you when you work all that through it's how you end up with the two million dollars of EBITDA. Uh, as we said uh two million is is a bit sluggish for the tissue business in the fourth quarter uh, and we think we can uh, do better, and we expect that we will.
7: Okay. So, looking forward, the, in, the addition of that new converting capacity plus the absence of that uh, inventory reduction, so we should expect, uh, on average, everything else kept equal, better prices and better costs in looking in coming quarters versus what we signed quarters
5: That's correct. That's correct. So, we did 17 million of EBITDA in 2020. Uh, bringing uh, the Hagerstown assets uh, into our portfolio. It's going to allow us to increase the roles, the parent roles that we convert out of Calhoun, uh, improve distribution of the business. If you look at the trend, and we've got a slide in the deck that shows you for the tissue business the progression that we've made uh, over the last two years with pricing, uh, the trend is pretty clear. We've been focusing significantly. On uh, customer portfolio optimization and improving our mix, uh, and you can see that in the segment. So I think the fourth quarter was really more of a, a one-time thing. As, as, as we said, we destocked and so took the hit on pricing, but the momentum we think is there, and the business can do better than it did in the fourth quarter.
7: Great, thank you. That was, that's it for me.:
1: There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back over to the presenters. Excellent. Thank you for joining (coughs) us today. Have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening
0: to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.